0: I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your on ready? I came out the room line. already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me, lead. Only
1: oh, they tackle him in the corner.
0: Who can make a play? I can.
1: Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> I can. What's going on ladies and gentlemen welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast brought to you by your host Matthew Byrne you can find me at sports MB on Twitter got a, a little bit of a bounce back episode for you guys here today and when I say bounce back I mean bounce back candidates we were talking a little bit about them on the last episode we will finish that up today as long uh, along with talking about the listener league a little bit more on this beautiful Memorial Day. That will be uh, pretty much all that we're going to talk about today. Nice short episode, to allow you guys to get a little bit of listening in. Maybe knocking out your honeydew do list or barbecuing or whatever it is you guys got going on on this holiday. Uh, we do want to thank everybody who served. We really do appreciate them uh, for that. And uh, we will uh, we'll just jump right in and kick it off and let's talk about the bounce back candidate. <laughs> And as always, we have Mr. Dennis Bennett with us. Dennis, how are you doing on this beautiful Memorial Day?
0: I am having a great Memorial Day. Granted, it's only a couple hours into it for me, but uh, I'm looking forward to some fun things. got a new smoker from my father-in-law yesterday, and so I think my uh, 14-year-old now is going to try to figure out how to smoke some ribs.
1: (laughs) There you go. Sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm a... After, after a long weekend of doing stuff around the house with the, with the wife and parents I'm looking forward to, to recovering today and just uh, relaxing on this on this beautiful memorial day so as I talked about in the intro we're gonna finish up our bounce back candidates Dennis uh, actually uh, got some trades sent to him by some listeners so we're going to go ahead and talk about those as well and then at the very end here before we close it out we'll talk about uh, the newest way to get into the listener league so with the bounce back candidates we'll kick off we obviously did the, the quarterbacks in the last episode so we'll start with the running backs one of the guys who came out of college had a you know a lot of hype that I can remember really has just struggled with injuries missed a lot of last season i want to say it was at least four games last year with the injuries Yeah, he actually looked good at the end of the year is dalvin cook new offensive line we we thought that there are well we thought that their offense was going to be really good last year now a lot of people are saying it's because of the offensive line obviously dalvin cook being hurt what are your thoughts on him bouncing back to be a top 12 running back in 2019
0: i'm a i'm a big dalvin cook fan um you know he's very dynamic with the ball in his hands and his uh big issue has been health uh he did play in 11 games last year uh, averaged 4.6 yards a carry caught 40 passes uh i think that he is going to thrive behind that offensive line that they're rebuilding. Uh, they've got an offensive coordinator that wants to run the ball more. They brought in a another version of Latavius Murray and Alexander Madison to uh, back him up and spell him. I think uh, Madison's probably a little bit better than Murray. Um, but I think Dalvin Cook is the unquestioned uh, stud. Uh, RB1 there in Minnesota so provided health stays healthy he's gonna uh, have a great year I would expect probably with his pass catching it wouldn't surprise me to get sixteen, seventeen hundred 1700 yards from scrimmage um, you know seven touchdowns eight touchdowns uh, I, I think they may try to do some goal line stuff with Madison because he is bigger uh, but Cook isn't small by any stretch of the imagination, uh, coming in around 215 pounds. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I I think I've got him on one team. Uh, I'm starting to get into that uh, arena where uh, I have more teams than I can uh, actively keep track of without <laughs> using a piece of paper.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, and and I'm right there with you. I mean, if you go back and look at what he did last year, so he finishes the 29th running back with 134 points, but again, he was injured. But out of all those games that he played, he only finished with two single-digit games, Uh, especially at the back half there when he came back. He had the 1.5. Sorry, he had three. I'm sorry, I forgot the 1.5. But when he came back, Uh, From the injury, he had 12.9 his bye week. Then that was the 1.5 week. Then he had 15, 14, 16, 28, 12, and then 8 to finish out the year. I mean, that is exactly what we've seen from him when he's healthy. Uh, So I'm right there with you. Health is going to be the biggest factor. It's something you have to watch out for. That's why I would suggest getting Alexander Madison if you're in a dynasty league. If you can grab him in your rookie drafts, I would suggest doing that heavily because I do think uh, many of us have talked about Alexander Madison is a very good running back, and I don't think that he's going to steal carries away from Cook when he's healthy, but if Cook goes down, I think Madison is going to be the one who fills in and is going to be the back that will likely at least be able to get you some kind of replacement points until Cook comes back, but my hope is we'll finally get to see a full year of Dalvin Cook not injured, fully healthy with this Minnesota offense, and and we'll get to see him rolling and, and being a guy that we all think he can be.
0: Yeah, he's going into year three, and you know, being a uh, was he? I think he was a first round draft pick. No, he wasn't a no, first rounder. So it
1: uh, was he a second or third? I know he fell because of the off field issues, supposedly.
0: So he's he's basically playing for a contract extension this year. Yeah, and so being healthy is going to be at the top of his list and so he'll go out and he's going to put up some good numbers that's a high-powered offense there in minnesota and they have a real good defense and so their offensive line is going to be the key to uh their success bringing in garrett bradbury they've rebuilt uh, a couple positions there and i think that uh by moving Alf flying over to guard and uh drafting bradbury that uh, solidifies that left side Along with uh, Riley Reef at tackle, mm-hmm. um, so it's. I, I think that the prospects for Cook having a, a a breakout year this year are are really high.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like I said, I think the the real only issue I think both of us see is just healthy. He's got to stay healthy, and then he'll produce. He's done it while he's been on the field when he's been extremely healthy. Uh, health and staying on the field are issues for this next running back. He's he's had a lot of off-the-field stuff with suspensions, gaining weight now. Everybody has said the right thing so far with him coming back into camp, and you probably know who it is at this point, and that's Leonard Ford and
0: That guy's a knucklehead.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he... Uh, You know, it's interesting for me, Fournette, because he's not really today's NFL running back, in my opinion. He doesn't do much in the receiving game. He's more of the the older NFL with the you give him the ball, kind of a battering ram kind of guy. Just runs guys over, and and it's not a bad thing because he is a very good running back when it comes to that. We've seen him have amazing games when that happens, but he is just Struggled with injuries again. I know we've touched on it in the past. Uh, I have not ever been a big Fournette net fan, uh, just because I've heard people talk about in the past that he was never going to be fully healthy with that ankle injury, uh, just due to the the wear and tear on it and everything. He was never going to be back to what he was in college. Then you get the the weight issues that he's had, and then obviously the suspensions. Um, Again, he he only had 109 points last year, finishes the 40th running back, uh, looked good at times, had a lot of double-digit games, but then really mixed in there. He had a couple stinkers and then obviously all the -the off-the-field stuff. Brought in Raquel Armstead, and again, everybody there is saying the right things with Fournette. They're saying he's coming with a great attitude, he's trimmed down, he's looking good what are your thoughts on four what are you thinking for 2019 i i I would be afraid to say do you think he can make it back to a top 12 back but let's go with that since that's but most of these guys we think will probably land somewhere in there do you think he can make it as a top 12 back in 2019
0: i i don't see being top 12 um now that being said i i can't say that if he is i won't i'm not going to be terribly surprised He's a good running back when it comes to talent. Being able to see the hole, he's got good speed. Yes, he's a a big back, um, but for him, l- looking at how his career is progressing, uh, he's going to kind of need to have that third or fourth year Melvin Gordon type breakout. He's only averaged 3.9 and 3.3 yards per carry over his first two seasons. Now, he's a capable receiver. Uh, He's on on pace both seasons. He only played 13 games his rookie year and eight games last year. But he was on pace both seasons to catch 40 or more passes. So he's capable of taking a dump off uh, uh, or running a screen. So he does have some versatility to his game and he's a very powerful guy. I I don't know if he has, you know, he certainly doesn't seem to have Adrian Peterson type of passion for the game. And that ultimately might be what really holds him back is that, you know, when he gets dinged up, it, it feels worse than maybe it is. I don't have any real information to back it up, but it just seems like he's, He's missing games, and it could be that that ankle just doesn't get right. But with with the ankle being uh, not a hundred percent, I think that leads to things like his hamstring, uh, because you you end up you start having these affiliated muscle groups that that have to overperform or be a, you know work a little bit extra, and that causes injuries to other parts of your leg. Um, Armstead's a, a good back and. Has a very similar game to Fournette. I think that might be part of the reason that they brought him in so that uh, if he comes out, they don't really have to change anything when they put Armstead in. Um, We'll see. Armstead was, what, I think a fifth or sixth round pick, so it wasn't like they spent a ton of draft capital. They signed Alfred Blue as a free agent. Uh, They have, uh, you know, one of the sleepers in that backfield is Thomas Rawls, but. You know, he's coming back from a broken ankle a couple years ago. Uh, He he flashed in Seattle, um, and then he broke his ankle, and he never seemed to be able to get right with Seattle or the Jets, and now he's in Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, um, I'm interested to see how that shapes out. I mean, they obviously have, uh, I think, Benny Cunningham as well there. So likely someone's getting cut out of there. I can't imagine they're going to go in with all those running backs. I do like Alfred Blue, as we've talked about, before on the podcast, he he just really couldn't do much in Houston, uh, but that was also when they were made or not made, but they were giving him more of a full workhorse role, which I don't think he lives up to. But he's a great receiving back, and I do think that if he's able to possibly help Fournette split time a little bit, that could help him out because I do think that when him and T.J. Yeldon were at their prime together, they were both very good backs, but it just seems. Like Leonard Fournette's not going to get back to that, in my opinion. I agree with what you were saying. When it comes to the ankle injuries and everything that you do, you compensate for that injury, which then leads to other injuries with your other parts of your body, especially if you're rushed back. And I feel like he does that. Uh, maybe it's the team pushing him to come back quicker than he's ready to, due to them wanting him on the field. Maybe it's him. We'll never know. Uh, but I, I worry about him staying healthy, and I agree with you. I, I think his his years of being a top twelve back are probably behind him at this point. Um, I still think he's a high end RB two. I would not be surprised if he finishes, you know, anywhere between thirteen to fifteen. Uh, but he could also finish a lot lower. I just don't see him being uh, a high-end RB1 anymore. Uh, now, I could be wrong. I do like the way that this offense is shaking up, shaping up with Nick Foles. Uh, but we'll have to, I, I would rather, at this point, I would rather be right, or I should, I guess, say wrong on Leonard Fournette. I would prefer to be wrong and, and him finish in the top 12 than me take him and Watch him finish outside the top 12 because that would just uh, hurt my team I actually think right now his ADP is in the third round So he's someone that you could grab as an rb2 and I think that's perfect for for most teams right now If you can get him as an rb2 and then again If he does bounce back and do does more than what we think he can be then then that's going to help your team out a lot Especially in startup drafts With the third running back here. He is a he's a guy that me and dennis have both have been high on for the past couple years um Kind of got Adam Geist there in Miami, I would say, is a fair way to put it. Uh, he's, he's looked extremely talented. He's, you know, I thought shown more often than not that he can be the lead back. He's just really not gotten the opportunities. It looks like he's finally going to get that now with his new head coach. What are your thoughts on Kenyon Drake in Miami for 2019?
0: You know, Drake is a... Uh very dynamic and explosive player and it drives me crazy to look back at what could have been these past couple years with him uh and, and just to to think that uh, you know frank gore you're gonna give frank gore yeah. 55 60 of the carries now that being said gore is a good back still but he's he's not dynamic he's he's a uh, you know 4 yard to carry and and that's it. He's you know getting up there. He's he's an old dude and great locker room guy. I think Frank Gore is, you know, one of the highest quality individuals in the NFL. But man, Kenyon Drake just shows some stuff. He he had 120 carries last year, caught 53 passes. He finished as the RB14 in what is by and large considered one of the worst cases of criminally underusing a running back uh, I've seen, and I don't know how long. I I, I can't. I, I just think somebody has got to say, "Look, I'm going to give you the ball and just see if you can handle it. Can can you can you carry the load? He's six one and two eleven. It's not like he's not a scat back. He's a, he's." got three down size he averaged for his career he averages 4.7 yards per carry i I i'm just like give the guy the ball he had nine touchdowns last year between rushing and receiving Mm -hmm. and you know is is he going to be an rb1 i i he could i mean he finished as the rb14 last year without getting uh a ton of work. He had, you know, what was that? 173 touches total. If he can get up to 175 to 200 carries uh, and catch 60 balls again, I, I I can see him moving into the top, not eight to 12, uh, because he is a chunk yardage guy.
1: Yeah, see, uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, Again, I've been a huge Drake fan. I know a lot of people who were trying to trade for him last year thinking it was going to be kind of his breakout year. I was trying to get him in a couple leagues last year. Uh, And then I do think it was really just Adam Gase. It just seemed like for whatever reason he did not like Kenyon Drake. There were games that... He would use him, and he would be explosive and incredible. And then the next two games, you would see nothing from him, and it it made no sense to me whatsoever. So I'm excited to see what he can do now. I am personally not a big believer in Kalen Balazs. I think he can be a good back. you know. I don't think he's as bad as some people do, uh, but I don't see him as someone who's really going to compete with Kenyon Drake and take carries away from him. I think Kenyon Drake is going to be the guy, and I think we're finally going to be able to see that because I do think Brian Flores is going to come in there and want to be more of a run-heavy offense. We We know that this team is probably not going to be that good this year. They do seem like they're trying – well, They were trying to tank for someone in 2020. I actually think Josh Rosen is not a horrible quarterback. I don't think he's great either. Uh, But we'll see if they're still trying to make a move for one of those quarterbacks in the 2020 draft. I would imagine now that they traded and got Josh Rosen, they're probably going to keep him and move forward with him. And so I'm interested to see how... This offense and everything is going to come together with Drake. They really need some help at wide receiver, but I think Kenyon Drake right there is going to be the anchor this year, going to lead that offense and going to. I agree with you. I think he has a real realistic shot of jumping up into the top 12 uh, at running back this year. For the wide receivers here, so we've got uh, four guys. The first one um, we're going to start with is uh, Marvin Jones in Detroit. He's Really, kind of been the guy the past few years. I would say, kind of a, I really no such thing as a fantasy sleeper anymore, but a guy that you could get late. Um, in your drafts, and most people were drafting as like a wide receiver 2, 3, sometimes even 4 that was producing wide receiver 2 numbers every year. Him and Matthew Stafford have had a really good connection. This year, or this past year, not so much. Now some of that, again, is due to injury. We we did see a little bit of an emergence there of Kenny Galladay, uh, who really kind of stepped up there when Marvin Jones went out, and really everybody went out. I mean, they traded Golden Tate away as well, which I think really kind of, affected that whole detroit offense but you are the resident detroit lions fan and uh you know i would imagine you've got some kind of opinion on marvin jones here so what do you think marvin jones is going to do in 2019 where do you think he falls as a wide receiver
0: well you know stafford threw the ball 555 times last year um and so that leaves plenty of room for jones to uh, pick up some targets. Uh, They lost, like you said, they traded away Golden Tate. Um, In seven games, Tate had 70 targets. Uh, Galladay had 120 targets on the year. Jones, uh, in nine games, had 62 targets. So I I think Jones is going to clearly step into that uh, wide receiver two role there. They brought in Amandola to play the slot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's just a nothing burger. Uh, he's definitely not on par with uh, 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 Golden Tate when it comes to being a slot guy. Yeah. Uh, I think TJ Hawkinson is more likely to step up and take some of those slot uh, targets. on Johnson's a, a good pass catcher. Uh, w- wouldn't surprise me to see Theo Riddick on the field with on Johnson and Theo Riddick out in the slot. So Detroit's going to be who Detroit is, which means, you know, they paid Matt Stafford a lot of money, and they're going to let him throw the ball, and they're also going to run the ball with on Johnson. So over a 16-game season, uh, two years ago, uh, Marvin had 61 catches, but he averaged 18 yards per catch. For his career, Marvin averages uh, 15 yards, so he's going to be a downfield threat um and Galladay's the the big body guy uh, at 62 or 63 he's he's the big wide receiver. Marvin's a, a pretty good sized fella as well, but Marvin kind of has that uh, outside speed um role more to himself. So while Marvin'll clearly be the number 2 on the uh the Lions, I could see him Putting up a pro, I can see him setting a career high in catches this year with you know 70, 75 catches. Mm-hmm. And if he averages a you know his historical average of 15 yards a catch, that's gonna make for a, a pretty good year. He knows how to get into the end zone, he's got a, a season of nine touchdowns, and he scored 10 touchdowns one year in Cincinnati. So he he's definitely not afraid of the end zone. typically averages about uh, five touchdowns a year. So I can see a 70 reception for a 1,000 and 1,100 yards and six or seven touchdowns coming for Marvin this year. I think that's going to put him squarely uh, in the the mid-range wide receiver two talk.
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm actually right there with you. So looking at what he did last year, he was he was doing exactly what we expected him to at the beginning of the year there. You know, he was averaging 10.9 points a week in PPR, you know, had multiple double-digit games there, but then got hurt and missed the last seven games of the season. So again, if you were really to just, prorate that out there averaging 10 points a game and that's pretty much what he averaged right around there You're looking at he missed out on close to 70 points a game and he finished as the 60 Where would he go 61st wide receiver last year with uh, 90 98.3 points actually right ahead of Danny Amendola Which I thought was kind of funny when you were talking about Amendola not being not being very good But if you were to if you were to prorate that out and say that he he continued to average right around 10 points a game that would actually shoot him up to the 23rd wide receiver on the year. So I'm right there with you. I think he's going to finish right there in that middle to the back half of a wide receiver too. He, he's shown that the past couple years that when he's healthy, he can be that dynamic threat down the field for Matthew Stafford. And we all know Matt Stafford is not afraid to sling it. Um, you know, I did talk about, I think it was last year, two years ago, we, we've we talked about before that uh, I think Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones will uh, – kind of uh, cannibalized themselves but really it seemed like Kenny Galladay wasn't that much of the downfield threat I feel like they used him uh, I know a lot of people up there call him Baby Tron as, as like a, an ode to Calvin Johnson I feel like that's the way they use him at times he's more of a red zone threat and and a guy to help them you know get those third downs big body wide receiver he can throw up and get it but they really use Marvin Jones as that deep field th- deep down the field threat so I don't think that those two are going to hurt each other that much and I, do, I agree with you I don't think Danny Amendola is going to take many targets away from him the biggest one I think they'll take anything away from him would be a mixture of Hawkinson and carry on Johnson like you were saying so I'm right there with you I think Obviously, if he's back fully healthy next year, I think he's got a shot to finish right there in that middle of the the wide receiver two group at worst, right there at the bottom. Uh, but I don't imagine he falls much farther than that.
0: Yeah, Detroit was 13th in the NFL in pass attempts last year. So I would expect them to be right around that same uh, range, that 10 to 15. So that being said, Jones is going to step up the pecking order. I I do think that uh, he was more of a 2B with Galladay last year while Golden Tate was there. Mm -hmm. And now this year with Galladay, I'll be the number one, and he'll be the number two, and it'll be more clear. So his his volume will increase. I got you. Yeah,
1: I'm right there with you. So next up we've got a wide receiver in Chicago who – Before his injury and trade, he was a top wide receiver, which not a lot of people expected coming out of Penn State and going into the NFL draft really kind of set the world on fire with Blake Bortles, of all people. Allen Robinson in Chicago. Have we seen his better days? Do you think with, uh, obviously, it's actually kind of funny mentioning Blake Bortles because while Mitch Trubisky is not as bad as Blake Bortles, he too struggles with a little bit of accuracy issues in getting the ball down the field. Now we've got, this is Mitch Trubisky's third year, Allen Robinson's second year in the offense. Do we think that they're finally going to start connecting and uh, allow Allen Robinson to produce into that top 12 wide receiver? Again, my goodness, I cannot talk this morning.
0: You know, Trubisky, I think, is uh, quite underrated. They, uh, you know, he, the Bears' scheme doesn't necessarily throw the ball a ton unless they get behind. He completed almost 67% of his passes last year and had a two-to-one touchdown-to-interception ratio. So he's going in now to, what, to year three. It's his second year in um, Nagy's system. So I expect Trubisky to take a step this year. And they've got David Montgomery and Mike Davis, where they used to have Jordan Howard. So they have a better set of running backs to go along with, you know, pass catching back Tariq Cohen. Uh, And so they're not going to be as locked in when the number one running back is in there. People won't automatically be able to look at the the players and go, Oh, well, they're definitely going to run the ball here. And so I think that will allow for a little more subterfuge and they'll be able to be a little more versatile in what they do uh on a play to play basis. So Trubisky had four hundred and thirty four attempts last year. Um I could see that bumping up to four seventy five, four hundred eighty. Um and Robinson, you know, last year uh where did he come in at? Uh he only played thirteen games and he caught he had ninety four targets, fifty five catches. Taylor Gabriel led the receivers, the wide receivers, uh, in receptions last year. And I don't think Taylor Gabriel is anybody's uh, version of a wide receiver one. <laughs> no. So I think Robinson, uh, he's, gonna, he's now two full years removed, uh, two, almost three full years removed, second year in this offense. Um, so I think those past injury concerns are behind him. And I expect Robinson to return, maybe not to the form of his breakout year, where what did he have sixteen, seventeen hundred yards that year? Yeah. But I can I can comfortably see him, you know, in the eighty catch range, and that's going to bode well. I I think the guy who takes a hit in Chicago uh, is going to be Tariq Cohen because. Mike Davis and David Montgomery can catch the ball. So that that sort, sort of changes the dynamic there and so they can go out in their base offense and that's going to provide Robinson with just that touch more space. So if he gets he, he goes from 94 targets to 125 130 targets as the uh the clear number 1 there. You know they have Anthony Miller, who I think is a really, really strong wide receiver too, uh, and I could potentially see him taking over as the wide receiver one in a couple years if they decide to let uh, Robinson go. But I, I feel like Robinson is going to have uh, a—he's going to have a, a, a thousand-yard season this year, six, seven touchdowns. Uh, I expect a strong year for Allen Robinson.
1: Yeah, I think that he can bounce back, too. I, I don't think that we, we, see, we will see what we saw out of him in Jacksonville when he broke out, but I do think that he has a chance to jump up there and be be a high-end wide receiver, too. I just don't expect him to, to ever be able to produce those numbers again. I think a lot of that is just the offense, though, in Chicago. I do think that they're going to continue to be very run-heavy with David Montgomery. I mean, we got to think they only had one... Uh, one pick up there, and they actually, I believe, traded. No, did they trade up to get David Montgomery, or did they st- sit there and let him fall? I can't remember, but I, I know that they took him only having like one pick in those first three or four rounds. So the fact that they took him speaks volumes to me. I think that they do plan on running the ball. They're going to use David Montgomery. Uh, we both think that he's going to be a beast there in Chicago, which I think will limit a little bit of what they do in the passing game. Right there with you on Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller, I think it's going to be a stud for years to come. I don't worry that much about Taylor Gabriel. Um, I actually like Emmanuel Hall landing there as well. I could see him possibly working his way into. Into that offense at some point, but uh, Allen Robinson is the clear one in my opinion Uh, And I do think that he is going to get his fair share of targets I do think he's going to be the red zone threat there as well, Um, you know, obviously they have uh, Adam Shaheen and Trey Burton as well, which we'll see what happens Trey Burton ended up not being quite as good at tight end as a lot of people thought he was going to be including myself I thought he would he would thrive kind of in that offensive schemes there by Matt Nagy. It didn't work out, uh, but I do think that regardless, uh, Adam Shaheen will probably be the only other person that vies with uh, Robinson for targets there in the red zone. But I think Robinson is going to, like you said, bounce back thousand yards, probably six to eight, maybe even ten touchdowns, depending on how good Chicago's offense is going to be. Um, you know, they looked very good last year, so we'll see if they can continue to progress in the second year of Matt Nagy system. Um, and I think he he's got a chance, like said, to be a high-end wide receiver too, uh, which which is not a bad thing. Again, he, it, it's hard to to predict someone's going to jump up into that top twelve because, as a, a discussion I was actually having at my. Uh, my home dynasty draft the other day, there's a lot of wide receivers in that discussion. So it's, it's hard to predict someone to jump up that high, uh, especially for where he finished last year. He didn't miss the two games last year, but I think he finished right around wide receiver 40. So that that's a pretty steep jump there, but I do think he has a shot to jump up into that, to that wide receiver two territory.
0: Yeah. He's a, uh, you know, I think the biggest issue that Robinson is going to have is the offensive volume. He, he'll be the number one there. But they're not throwing the ball six hundred times. Yeah, and and so you know, there's only so much you can do. But you, you're absolutely right. There's a slew of about twenty five guys that could be wide receiver twos if things go. Yeah, if they get just one break, whether it's quarterback volume or an injury across from them, something like that. There, there's there's a big group of guys that that could. All produce if if uh, just if they get just one little break is all it's going to take.
1: Yeah, and you know what? That actually. Uh makes me think of something. I'll, I'll have to give you a, tr- uh, a a deal that I made in my home dynasty league here in a little bit here at the end of the podcast and see what you think because I think I've got this one in the bag uh, but then again I'm not a fan of this player so I'll, maybe I let myself get a little too big headed and we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but speaking of wide receivers who have finished up there as a wide receiver 1-2 that brings us to our next wide receiver and that was the wide receiver that has been an all out stud in Cincinnati and AJ Green since really being in the league yet we've seen the past two years him really kind of struggled this year mostly due to injury Um, I actually thought that he was having a good year uh, especially when Tyler Boyd kind of stepped up and and gave defenses somebody else to look at but yet AJ Green even in the past couple years was still a stud in Cincinnati when they didn't have anybody else to throw the ball to he's hopefully coming back fully healthy this year finishes as the 41st wide receiver last year again missed I think it was six games at the end of last year uh i would almost say seven i think he played right it was week uh 10 or 11 he came in and played for a little bit and then got pulled back out and then didn't come back the rest of the year Uh, and i think that part of that was him trying to come back because he he's a baller and he was trying to come back out there and play and he just couldn't do it i think it was a turf toe issue if i remember correctly Uh, so what are your thoughts on aj green in cincinnati new offense new offensive schemes and everything your outlook for him in 2019
0: you know, A.J. Green is a bona fide stud, yeah. and he's, you know, they, uh, last year with Andy Dalton out, they were still 18th in pass attempts with the likes of Jeff Driscoll, and uh, they had some other Yahoo there that I can't remember, yeah, throwing the ball. I don't remember who um, he is either, not important. But Dalton will be back this year, now Dalton is by no stretch uh, anyone's, Second coming of Brett Favre, but Dalton is definitely an above-average quarterback Uh, He's one of those guys that isn't going to usually make mistakes He isn't going to put the team on his shoulder and carry him for a long stretch of games but he can do it for a couple drives and he's a It's one of those situations where you can be frustrated because Cincinnati's not winning more games, and you want to change. But who who do you you know? Are you going to go from Dalton to say Nick Foles? Are you going to go from Dalton to Ryan Tannehill? Are you going to go from Dalton to one of these rookies? Uh, Does it does that really make that much sense to do? Uh, I don't know if it does just yet. Uh, They've got a new leader there, and Zach Taylor, who comes from that. Sean McVay coaching tree, and uh, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens there. I, I'm not really sure what to expect as far, far as how it'll change the offense. You know, Green has missed uh, six and seven games two of the last three years. Yeah. Uh, actually, through week nine last year, he was wide receiver nine, or 11, excuse mm-hmm. me, um, and So he's still producing. When he's on the field, he's producing uh, top numbers. He's still a stud. But he's going to be 31 years old this year. And is he, because of the the injuries now, he's, what, missed time in one, two, three? In four of his nine years, he's missed at least one game. Yeah. Um, And they've all been, I believe, because of his foot. So... Where do we really, you know, Tyler Boyd stepped up, and I think the two of them are really good. I, I, they make a great pair because they can take the pressure off, but Cincinnati doesn't have uh, a great tight end. Mm-hmm. They, they I, I don't think the group of John Ross and Alex Erickson and Josh Malone and Auden Tate, uh, I don't think any of those guys strike fear from the wide receiver three spot. Um, so it really comes down to Boyd, Green and Mixon that have to drive that team down the field. And that's a pretty solid core. So I think if, if Green is healthy, I definitely think he is going to push for wide receiver one numbers. Um, I think the biggest threat is going to be Tyler Boyd coming on. If, if Boyd continues to ascend then that pulls some of the targets away. In, in set 2017, Green had 143 targets. If that number drops down, and let's, let's say it only drops by 25 targets, now you're in the 110, 115 range, which is still a, a high number of targets, but it's starting to sink down into that high wide receiver 2, low wide receiver 1 range, for targets, and, and volume is king in fantasy, and if you're not getting targets, you're not making catches. So I, I think that it's going to come down to, is he going to stay healthy? I, I think he's healthy. It looks like he's doing the every-other-year shuffle now for the past <laughs> six years. Healthy, missed three games. Healthy, missed six games. Healthy, missed seven games. So it seems like 2019 is, is destined to be a year that he's healthy.
1: Yeah, that is my hope for him this year. I really do hope that he can stay healthy. You touched on he finishes the wide receiver 9 or 11 while he was was healthy. Double-digit points in every single game except for one throughout that first stretch there. He was averaging 14 points a week. I mean, he was the stud we all remembered him to be. That injury, I think, really affected him. And, I mean, I don't know... If any of you have had turf toe, I've had it before. It is not a pleasant injury, um, you know, and I'm someone who I stubbed my toe and I'm down for a couple days. Like, I, that was a – it's a painful injury, and I can't imagine what it's like trying to run around out there. I can't imagine it's one of those injuries that you can either shoot up either uh, to kind of numb the pain because if you miss and you numb your whole foot, you're going to be running around out there like with a, you know, I would imagine running around thinking you don't have another foot there when you're throwing it down. So, you know, for me, for him to even try to play through that, I thought was, was admirable. He, he looked good at times. But I agree with you. I think I want, I hope and want to say that he can get back to those top to that top 12. But I, I think more realistic, at least in my opinion, is him to finish right there at the top of Tier 2, especially with Tyler Boyd coming on. I don't expect he'll steal much work away from A.J. Green because I do think A.J. Green's still going to be the guy there in Cincinnati and we know that Dalton trusts him from all of their time together uh, but Tyler Boyd stepped up big time last year and I do think that he showed he can be a very good number two to A.J. Green uh, while he wasn't great when A.J. Green was out he still had a couple I believe it was at least two good games there uh, before he ended up getting hurt as well uh, so I do think those two will complement each other very well as you said there's no one really at the wide receiver three or tight end That could steal, uh, you know, looks away. Maybe Eifert if he can finally stay healthy. You know, he used to be good, but I think that's a bigger question than anything if he can stay healthy. Um, you know, Mixon, Bernard, Anderson, Williams there in the backfield. I don't imagine any of those guys steal a lot of receptions away from those two. So it's going to be the Green and Boyd show there with Dalton. I agree with you. I don't think they should go rookie wide, uh, rookie running. My goodness, I can't even speak rookie quarterback. Um, this year at least, and I don't think they will. I think Andy Dalton will get the run for the entire year as long as he's healthy, uh, and then we'll see what they do with Ryan Finley. Again, I'm not a huge Ryan Finley believer, but there are a lot of people out there who think he could be very good, so maybe we'll see him. But I imagine Dalton gets at least the full year run there with Zach Taylor, and, and that's the biggest thing there in Zach Taylor. We just don't know what this offense is going to look like, and that that's why it's going to be the hardest thing to project what A.J. Green does. But I imagine... If he's used anywhere close to what he has been the past seven years that he's been in the league, he will be right up there on the fringe wide receiver one, but I think it's a better chance he finishes as that top tier wide receiver two, which again is not a bad thing for where you're getting him in drafts because in most drafts, the same thing as Leonard Fournette, he's fallen into the third, sometimes fourth rounds of drafts. If you can get A.J. Green in the third and fourth round of your draft, I would do that in a heartbeat. The last wide receiver we are going to talk about is again another guy who just cannot stay on the field. He has just struggled with injuries his entire career, yet, when he is on the field, He has been a stud, and that is Will Fuller in Houston. Him and Deshaun Watson have had a great connection. Matter of fact, for some DeAndre Hopkins owners, it's been a little bit frustrating watching Will Fuller out there and getting these balls thrown to him 50, 60 yards down the field as he's running into for touchdowns. While DeAndre Hopkins is definitely getting fed the ball, he's not getting those red zone looks because Will Fuller keeps scoring from 40, 50 yards out. However... After he does that for three or four games, he ends up getting hurt and then missing the rest of the season. Your thoughts on Will Fuller in 2019.
0: So, Will Fuller is a guy that uh, I uh, am going to take a loss on. Um, I didn't like Fuller coming out of college. I didn't uh, think he catches the ball. I don't think he catches the ball very well. Um, but I guess he's matched up with the perfect quarterback in Deshaun Watson, who doesn't throw the ball with a ton of velocity. So maybe that makes it a little easier for him to catch the ball. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I don't have any data to back that up. I just remember uh, Watson only having about, I think it was like a 48-mile-per-hour velocity on the ball or something like that, which was, which was low. So, But they, ha- they definitely have a connection. Uh, Fuller is able to to get open down the field and Watson has the arm strength to get the ball down to him Uh, Even if it's not uh, on a rope, he can get gets down there and get him open Uh, He's out far outproduced uh, any of my expectations and you know, so I still struggle with the I don't really like this player Uh, I don't really like the game but I have to acknowledge that he's been producing numbers. The other side of it is, though, he's missed—he missed two games his rookie year, six games his second year, and nine games last year. So, does he stay? Can he stay healthy? Uh, there's nothing so far uh, in his history that leads me to believe that he's gonna. Stay healthy in 2019. So, I, 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 don't know. I, I'm gonna. He's not gonna be on my teams unless he's on an orphan I take over, uh, because I'm just not gonna pay for. I'm not gonna pay what I think the the going rate is for him. Uh, I think a lot. There are a lot of people who appreciate his game and his explosiveness. But between the injuries and the concerns, I still have with his hands, and Andre DeAndre Hopkins is still the number one guy there, and he's going to get the lion's share of the targets. So I'm I don't know what you where you would project. Uh, Fuller. I suppose if he stayed healthy over the course of a year, you know, a low-end wide, reti- wide receiver two, he might be one of those 25 guys that could be in the mix there. Um, but I think he's more of a wide receiver three kind of guy.
1: Yeah, I'm actually right there with you. I wasn't sure where you were going to go with him. Uh, I could see him jumping up into the back end of the wide receiver two based on the boom part of his game, as we were just talking about. He, he just seems... He's not at all consistent like DeAndre Hopkins, I think is the best way to put it. He's not someone who's going to get, you know, five, six catches a game for 40, 50 yards and then throw in a touchdown here or there, sometimes upwards of 100 yards like DeAndre Hopkins does. You know, he's he's that guy where when he's out there on the field, you know he's going to get you anywhere from – 8 to 10 points plus every single week because he's going to get the volume. You know when he gets the ball thrown to him, he's going to catch it. Again, no drops last year. The only wide receiver last year with no drops. Um, again, we, we had uh, Bob Lung on uh i don't even remember that was four or five episodes ago with his consistency guide talking about how deandre hopkins is getting close to breaking antonio brown's uh 100 percent consistency rating over i believe it was 18 games uh, or two seasons something like that so hopkins has been a beast and that is not will fuller will fuller is the boom to that and i do think that if he can stay healthy we will see more of that again he's he is a dynamic threat he He can get down the field i mean we I remember watching a game last year where he had already caught I think it was like a thirty yard touchdown. Bomb and then like three drives later, he got open behind the coverage. Deshaun Watson throws it. It was going to be another forty or fifty yard bomb, and he dropped it. So he has that ability to get behind coverages, but he's got to catch the ball and he's got to get in the end zone. I think to really produce for you in fantasy, and so I'm with you on that too. He's someone that I'd rather not have unless you're getting him really late. If he's someone that I can pick up in a in a startup draft, is like my wide receiver four. I'd probably take it just based on the boom and the upside there and same thing with redrafts. But if you're trying to if you're having to get him as your wide receiver two or three, I'm probably not taking him because I want more consistency. I want guys that I know I can plug in every single week and are gonna get me a, a decent floor compared to the boom upside that you really just don't know is gonna be there, especially if he's even and especially if he's gonna be on the field.
0: Yeah, I think uh, looking at the consistency guide here, uh, Fuller was, like, wide receiver 69.
1: Yeah. Which is pretty close to what he finished as last year, too. He's actually finished as the wide receiver 67. So, yeah, he's... uh, he's just not it's just that boom upside that makes him so I think that's why so many people like him and talk about him so much is because everybody has in their minds oh when he's healthy he's getting you know 50 60 yard bombs every game which he did last year I think that's kind of the the biggest misconception if you know he had I think what was it four of the games that he played or three of the games he played he had long touchdown catches and so everybody thinks that that's what he's going to do every single game but Chances are he's not, but he is someone that is exciting. And best ball, he's probably like – he's a perfect player for best ball kind of thing, like yeah. the old Ted Ginn's and Deshaun Jacksons because you know you're going to get those huge games from him in best ball you don't have to put him in. But, yeah, I'm right there with you. For me, like I said, if I can get him as a wide receiver four – in my drafts, I'd gladly take him because he's someone that, you know, again, you could probably in bigger leagues throw in as like that second flex spot. I'm like, all right, you know, I could get a great week from him this week, but even if he gives me like five, six points in that second flex spot, uh, I'll deal with it. But uh, he's not someone that I'm taking to anchor my team around. With the tight ends here, one guy that uh, a lot of people have been extremely excited about for a long time because he burst on the scene his rookie year with Phillip Rivers and had a huge year for touchdowns and then really has not been able to replicate that since. Uh, Came in last year as the unquestioned leader at that position at tight end, uh, but then tore his ACL in camp uh, and really kind of missed the whole year. Did come back and play in the playoffs, which I thought was... uh, Uh, I don't think he actually played any snaps, but he was there with the team, and they said he could play if they needed him, Uh, and that's Hunter Henry. What are your thoughts on him in 2019, and where do you have him fallen as a tight end for fantasy?
0: You know, I I actually just uh, finished my first draft of the San Diego Chargers for the 32 teams in 32 days that we'll be putting out at Dynasty Nerds. you know, I, I have Henry listed as a breakout candidate. Uh, there's going to be 85 to 100 targets available for the starting tight end uh, in uh, Los Angeles. And I think that at 70 uh, percent, 65, 70 percent completion rate, you know, tight ends are going to be shorter, higher, com- higher completed passes. Uh, I think Henry has definitely the possibility to put up a, a 60 to 70 catch season. Uh, his only real competition for red zone targets is going to be Mike Williams, so the opportunity uh, exists there for Henry to have that breakout. You know, it was it was kind of a bummer last year. He came came uh, on and Antonio Gates retired. And the expectation was that he was going to take that leap. And I've seen some uh, dynasty tight end rankings that have him uh, ranked at four or five. I don't know if I'm ready to go that that high yet. He missed two games in his second year and um, all of last season. So he's had some injury issues But he's averaged, uh, in in part-time play, he's averaged 40 catches uh, a year, and he's caught 12 touchdowns in those first two seasons. So I can definitely see him dropping into that wide receiver, or excuse me, tight end, 5-8 to range, with tight end, you know, 4 upside, three upside maybe even, if one ah, of the big okay. three fall off. Yeah, it, It's going to come down to, is he going to get the volume? Well, the Chargers, they throw the ball a lot. And if Melvin Gordon stays healthy, he gets a lot of targets. So Keenan Allen is a target vacuum, uh, and he is going to get his 150 targets. The Chargers like to throw the ball with Phillip Rivers, and... Mike Williams, uh, with the departure of Tyrell Williams, uh, there's going to be some targets to go around for Mike Williams and Hunter Henry. So I'm all in on Hunter if I can get him. He's definitely a guy in that second tier of tight ends that I want to take a shot on.
1: Yeah, so I have not been a huge Hunter Henry guy. I do think that his rookie season, while it was an amazing rookie season for him, I do think that people have, have read too much into that. I think he is still going to be a fairly good tight end for fantasy because that position is just very weak. I feel like we talk about it all the time, especially when, when we mention tight ends. I think he's more of a a sixth and later tight end. I just I don't think I could rank him up there with the top guys. You know, I know that Philip Rivers it seems likes to go to the tight end a lot, but I think that was just because it was Antonio Gates and he had that that comfort. Comfortability is not a word. He, he had that comfort, though, with... He had the relationship there with Antonio Gates. He felt comfortable throwing him the ball. I just don't know if that's there with Hunter Henry. I, I think that he is a guy who's going to go to who he's comfortable with again. And maybe he jumps up there in that top six. I, I, I don't think any of those top three fall off, so... You know, if you want to go right around the four range, you're looking at guys like Ebron Cook, Hooper Burton. I mean, I guess you could see him going up there. I mean, Cook, a lot of people have high expectations for in, in New Orleans. So I guess there's a realistic shot he can jump up there. I just I, I feel like I'm the guy who's going to miss out on a lot of Hunter Henry because I need to see it before I believe it. I just think he's been... It's almost uh, you know the, the, those old Wild West tales and myths. It's like something where it's talked about, and then the story gets bigger and bigger and bigger every year because we're not seeing it, so we don't know. So the the story gets made to be bigger than it is, and I just feel like as good as a rookie season that it was, it wasn't as great as everybody wants to make it out to be. Yes, he had a lot of touchdowns, but that was it. And he did, wasn't getting a lot of volume. He wasn't getting a lot of catches. And as we like to talk about all the time, volume is king. So, yeah, if he's getting touchdowns, of course, that that's six points right there. He gets two, three touchdowns in a game. He's going to put up great points. And, again, tight end, not a lot of tight ends, score three touchdowns in a year. So he's going to jump up in the ranks there. I just don't think that he's going to be this volume king that some do. So for me, I think he's like a six lower tight end. I don't think that he's going to jump up there that high. But – Again, like I said, I, I could be very wrong on Henry. He's a guy that I've not been a huge fan of. I just I just don't think that he's as good as others do. So for me, I don't think he jumps up too high. Uh, but I, again, I don't think six is a bad place for him to fall. I just don't think he makes it much higher than that.
0: Well, in 2017, Hunter Henry had 62 targets.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And Antonio Gates had 52 targets. Yeah. So I feel like the... Him getting a hundred targets isn't out of the question uh with the team they have going forward. It's not like they have a Antonio Gates quality tight end back in Hunter Henry up now. It's gonna be I think Virgil Green is the backup. Yeah. So he's essentially another tackle. So I can see Henry getting you know, he's definitely not gonna get Kittle Ertz Kelsey volume. Yeah. But He's gonna get I think, you know, OJ Howard, you know, that type of volume in that, that next level. I'm not in on Burton at all. I, I I think Burton performed exactly like I thought he would last year and I think that's just who he is. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't I think Burton is gonna be one of those guys that's you know, behind uh, Hunter Henry.
1: Yeah, like I said, he is one of those guys I think you could drop out. I think he finished his five, or six last year. Cook was five. So, I don't mm-hmm. know. For me, it's just hard. I, I can't imagine Hunter, Hunter Henry gets 100 targets. That's just me. I think that they are going to move to being a little bit more run heavy. Not that they haven't been. They've done a very good job of kind of giving Melvin Gordon a lot of volume. Uh, but I do think that he's going to lean on Mike Williams and then Keenan Allen a lot more than anything else. But I could be wrong. Like I said, this is the one guy on this list. Well, maybe the last guy on this list too. I'll be wrong on, but uh, he—he's the one guy that I'm just—I'm not. I uh, see. I feel bad. I feel weird saying not that high because I still think he finishes right around six. That's high. That's a—that's a, that's a high-end tight end one. So I just don't think he finishes much higher than six. And I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes closer to ten. But I think at best he's—he's he's the sixth tight end. Right on. The the next tight end we've got is a, another guy who who has been an absolute stud at the position never seems to get the love either of being a top-end tight end and suffered a, a pretty gruesome injury last year in Week 1, uh, and that's Delaney Walker in Tennessee. He's the one guy that seems to have been impervious to Marcus Mariota. Uh, He's still produced, even though Marcus Mariota was his quarterback, where we've seen Richard Matthews do it at times, but Delaney Walker was definitely the most consistent receiving target for them. What are your thoughts on him with Tennessee in 2019?
0: You know, at 35 years old, Walker is is going to have uh, a bit of a mountain to climb coming back from that injury. He's been generally healthy throughout his career, so it is one of those fluke injuries that occurred. I definitely think he'll step back in. Uh, he's going to be the starting tight end. Janu Smith that uh, a lot of people were high on I I just I don't feel like he stepped up like he needed to last year and so I don't think he poses any real threat to Delaney Walker as the starter. Uh the bigger threat in my opinion is going to be that if they start pounding the ball with Derrick Henry that takes away, you know, that eats up the clock and it cuts down the number of passing plays and A.J. Brown being a uh, close-to-the-line wide receiver. you know Brown running a lot of those short crossing routes like uh, Walker used to do and you know, things like that, that could take some targets from Walker. I think Walker will bounce back, and he'll be the clear number one on that team. And given the tight end landscape, uh, I fully expect him to, to be a tight end one Uh, That might be my couple shares of Delaney Walker talking. um, (laughs) But I I do expect him to be a a tight end one in uh, 2019.
1: Yeah. And and I'm I'm lockstep with you on Delaney here again. He's he's been someone who's been extremely good. I know a lot of people don't think that he has been, or his name just doesn't come to your mind. Maybe it's because he's in Tennessee. Again, you just don't think of him being as a top t- top tight end, but he has been the past I think three or four years. So I do think the the injury is going to be the most interesting part of it. I guess is can he bounce back from that? Because this is a pretty serious ankle injury. Uh, it's it's going to be questionable, I think, of him being out there on the field, of how healthy he really is, but I don't think Jonu Smith really is competing with him that much. I mean, Jonu Smith did much to nothing last year, uh, and, and Delaney Walker was out, I believe, pretty much the entire season. I'm, if I remember correctly, that happened in week one. Because I it had did. him in one of my in one of my leagues, uh, he was my tight end. I ended up having to trade for George Kittle, which you know I'm not too mad about now. But uh, I ended up having to give quite a little bit to get a different tight end because I was, you know, hoping Delaney Walker was going to be what I thought he was, what he could be, uh, and I do think he has a chance to bounce back. I I hope he does because I imagine he doesn't want to end his career on that injury. So I hope he's able to come out. Uh, and produce like he was, but I, I do worry a little bit of him losing as, as well. A little bit of targets, like you were talking about with AJ Brown being there, because I think AJ Brown uh, is an absolute stud. But again, uh, probably say this two more times with the next two guys we have on this list. Uh, tight end is very weak right now for fantasy, so I would not be surprised if Walker's able to jump up there, but uh, into the tight end one area. But I would love to see him get back into that top five where he's been the past couple years.
0: Yeah, Jonu Smith, for all of the athletic profile he brings to the table, uh, with Delaney Walker out last year, put up a grand total of 20 catches.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, he had that one really good catch and run there, but I'm pretty sure that was all there was. I mean, he did not yep. He did not really step up and do much in, in the absence of Walker. I the, mean,
0: Anthony Ferkser put up 19. Oh, and, uh, yeah.
1: My, <laughs> my boy, Anthony Ferkser. There we go. Yeah. Uh, the the next tight end we have on the list is a guy another guy who you know, burst on the scene, rookie year. A lot of that, I think, due to the fact that everybody else in that receiving core was gone. Like, I, I don't even think they were lining up wide receivers anymore. It was just, hey, man, go get it. And that is Mr. Evan Ingram there in New York. Him and Eli Manning, his rookie year, had a great rapport there. Again, Odell down, Sterling Shepard down. I remember they were starting guys I had not even heard of at wide receiver yet. Last year, struggled with injuries, and once he came back, just did not look to be the same tight end. Maybe that was still him dealing with the injury maybe being a little bit out of place expecting to be the number one target and he wasn't even when Odell went down Evan Ingram still seemed to struggle though he did look better and maybe that was again because Eli was leaning on him more than he had been while Odell was there your thoughts on Evan Ingram in 2019
0: you know Ingram has a a great athletic profile he showed that when he came out uh, at the combine Uh, in college he played almost as a wide receiver, and he's got a lot of ability. He showed that his rookie year when all those wide receivers were injured. I do think that uh, last year with uh, Shepard and Beckham fully healthy, I, I, I feel like Ingram kind of struggled to find his way a little bit. He did miss five games, um, and he did only start eight games. So that ended up, his targets from his rookie year, to 115, were cut all the way down to 64. So he's got to figure out where, you know, how is he going to maximize his volume? What, what is that, does that mean? I think that uh, the challenge this year is that he may be the downfield threat for that team. You know, they, they've got Golden Tate, they've got Sterling Shepherd you know that that are you know primarily known as slot guys so it could end up being that Ingram is the downfield threat um, because he can be a size mismatch uh, and that may end up working out for him it he's one of those guys that has the talent that you can see him moving into that George Kittle type of range. But you wonder if that team will be able to put it together and figure out to use him that way, yeah. which I, I don't. I don't necessarily hold out a lot of hope. Uh, the Giants—they need to fix their offensive line. You know, when you have a bad offensive line, your tight end has to block, and when you have a bad offensive line, your quarterback has to get rid of the ball. Uh, and that was evident with uh, 92 catches. From Saquon Barkley so it it was dump-off season from the time the whistle blew yeah. uh, so I, I think Ingram is definitely uh, a tight end one profile uh, he's gonna be one of those guys that land somewhere in the 6 to 12 range for him it's gonna come down to volume if he's got it he, he isn't gonna do it on 64 targets but if he can get eighty-five targets, ninety targets, uh, then he can he can slide into that tight end one uh, range pretty comfortably.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. I think uh, I think he's going to finish somewhere in the back half of the of one, just based again on what you were just talking about the offensive line and this offense. Uh, you know, obviously Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate. I'm sure Golden Tate probably has a better chance than Shepard to steal some targets away. That is kind of Golden Tate's area of expertise right there around the line of scrimmage. Um, Evan Ingram, as you were talking about, I could see him being the deep threat, Um, and I definitely think he's their best red zone threat uh, after Saquon Barkley, but uh, I think if they're – that's in my opinion, I would imagine that's what everybody's going to try and stop this year is Saquon Barkley after what he did in his rookie year. You know, whether that's possible or not, we'll see. I mean, we did see at times Saquon Barkley get shut down a little bit, at least running the ball. But when it came to catching the ball out of the backfield and, and doing work there, he was phenomenal. So we'll see if they're able to slow that down. If they are, I think the next best option is Evan Ingram. I like Golden Tate a lot. Uh, not quite as explosive as Evan Ingram, in my opinion. And, and Sterling Shepard, we just haven't seen it. He has not been able to be consistent, which sucks, because I I loved him coming out of Oklahoma. I thought he was going to be a very good wide receiver. Now, maybe this is a chance This is, I believe, his third year in the league. Now no Odell. It's going to be him and Golden Tate as the guys. Um, But I just don't think those guys really steal that much away from Evan Ingram. But, again, as you were talking about the offensive line, I think this offense is just going to continue to struggle, especially if we see Daniel Jones at some point in time this year. I know that Gettleman keeps talking about how Jones could sit for three years I don't see it I think if if New York starts off bad which is a realistic shot they will we're gonna see Jones sooner rather than later and I'm not sure that's gonna help out Evan Ingram at all either based on talent alone I would put him in the top 10 at tight end uh, for fantasy but I just don't know if he finishes much higher than that right now but he's still young uh, and still has a lot of talent I think that he's going to be good for years to come but I'm not sure he jumps up into that into that elite category just yet. And the last tight end on our list is well, your guy, Jack Doyle. Uh, we already know how really we kind of feel about it, but he, he has and was a very good tight end two years ago, and he did show uh, a lot of the same uh, skill set, I guess would be the way to put it, and upside last year before he got hurt, even with Eric Ebron there. Uh, where do you expect Jack Doyle to, to end up here in 2019 with the Colts?
0: You know, uh, you know, I expect him to be the starting tight end for the Colts. Um, but I also think that his target volume is not going to be what it was in 2017. He had 108 targets in 2017. Um, a lot of that was, you know, that was Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Um, That was T. Y. Hilton, really the only wide receiver. Um, Frank Gore, running back. So it it was not a dynamic offense by any stretch of the imagination in 2017, and he he was essentially the the safety valve. Um, And so he got got a lot of those dump off passes. Uh, I think Doyle will start because he's a good blocker. Uh, He's a good receiver. And Ebron will be the second tight end. But Ebron is going to be fighting for targets with uh, Devin Funches and Paris Campbell. So I think that comes down to... that They kind of fall into that slot receiver, uh, big slot role. And that will have to be divided up. So I think... Doyle is probably going to be closer to the 75 targets that he had in 2016 than the 108 targets he had in 2017. Uh, as long as luck is healthy, they're going to throw the ball. They were I think they threw the ball uh, the third most of any team in the NFL last year, if I remember correctly. Oops. Second only to the Steelers. And so there will be passing volume in that game. I do expect Marlon Mack to step up and really take control of the uh, running game. But they're going to be a passing team. you got Andrew Luck, who is uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL. And uh, there will there'll be targets to go around. But there's also a lot more targets. T.Y. is going to get his. uh Naheem Hines will get a fair share of targets out of the backfield. So there will be some, it'll be a, a much broader distribution. I don't know that uh, Doyle, even Dom, even if he leads the tight ends and targets in uh, Indianapolis, uh, I don't know that he's going to make it up as a tight end one. I think his, uh, he doesn't have a great yard per catch. Uh, Average is only around nine. He's kind of Kyle Rudolph. Uh, in that that aspect but he's a safe guy, you throw him the ball he's going to catch it, he catches about 15% more of the targets uh, thrown to him than Eric Ebron does uh, over the course of their career so he's going to you throw him the ball, he's going to catch it about 8 out of 10 times And uh, but he isn't necessarily going to bust away and make a long run uh, or catch the ball 25 yards down the field I expect him to be low-end, tight end one, high-end, tight end two. All
1: right, so let's get on to this trade that you uh, have put up in here. What uh, Where where did this come from and, and what's going on with it? Tell us about the trade and your thoughts on it, and then I'll give you my thoughts.
0: All right, so the trade came about, it, it was an orphan that I took over. Um, you know, I, I was at my limit for leagues, mm-hmm. and then uh, – One of the guys we're in a bunch of leagues with was like, hey, I've got this orphan. It's for this charity league. I'm like, damn it. For (laughs) Toys for Tots. All right. Screw it. It's for the kids. Yeah. Uh, And so I took over this team, and it's a 12-team super flex with tiered PPR. So tight ends get two points per reception. Wide receivers get one and a half points per reception. Running backs get .75. And it also has big play bonuses. So a touchdown between 40 and 79 yards gets two extra points. Uh, Over 80 80 yards or more, it gets four extra points. So there's definitely some big play bonuses that can be had. Um, It's a super flex league, and so you can start two quarterbacks. And this team had uh, Russell Wilson Marcus Mariota at quarterback, and uh, I forget who the other quarterback was, but they're, they, they aren't going to start anywhere. Gotcha. It's, it's a deep backup. Um, and so I really felt like with Mariota, if I couldn't move Mariota, I needed to at least go get Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. Now, we all know about my love for David Montgomery. <laughs> well, the rookie draft had already taken place in this league, yeah. and... This this person drafted Miles Sanders. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of excited to have uh, my first share of Miles Sanders, even if it came via adopting an orphan. But then uh, so a guy reached out to me, and he was like, hey, are you interested in... Uh, or I, I had reached out to him about what it would take to get Tannehill, and he made some comment about, oh, well, a lot more you know more than you would think uh, yada yada I'm like okay well then do you want to trade for Mariota yeah because from where I sit I if I'm looking at a a situation like Mariota and Tannehill I want to try to get both of them so that I I have that I, I at least have a player if something goes wrong it's like Rashad Penny and Chris Carson on the teams where I have one of them, I've tried to get the other one, yeah. to make sure that I get got myself covered. So the depth chart was pretty good. I have uh, David Johnson and Lev Bell at running back with Miles Sanders, and then Jalen Samuels, Justin Jackson, Edo Smith, and Kenneth Dixon. So there's some potential for breakout there. Sanders was clearly the running back three. I think he's going to get more volume than any of those other guys. Mm-hmm but I certainly wasn't going to be starting him over D.J. or Bell. At wide receiver, I had A-Rob, Sterling Shepard, D.J. Moore, Marvin Jones, Pettis, Sidney Moncrief, Dante (laughs) Moncrief, uh, Trey Quinn, Josh Reynolds, Tyreek Hill, Calvin Harmon. So while I have pretty good depth at wide receiver, I I felt like I lacked a, a, a true top-end wide receiver Uh Uh, I believe a Rob is gonna gonna have a good year, but I'm you know I wanted to hedge my bets a little bit and so after our little joke back and forth about trading for Tannehill or trading for Mariota uh, He reached out and offered me Brandon cooks for and Ryan Tannehill for Miles Sanders Mm -hmm. To me, I felt like that was an easy accept Mm -hmm. Uh, and now I've never I, I'm just coming around to Brandon cooks uh, he's always been one of those guys that puts up numbers, but he just kind of goes unnoticed and he's moved around to Three or four different teams and just doesn't seem to get the respect that he deserves.
1: Yeah
0: So I, I hopped on the dynasty trade calculator to take a look and, and i was able to put in the settings. The only thing it wouldn't allow for is, is the tiered PPR, but it does allow for PPR scoring, super flex, tight end premium. Yeah. Uh, and so Miles Sanders came in on the, the Dynasty Trade Calculator at a 17.1. Um, Ryan Tannehill, uh, the aforementioned uh, backup quarterback, uh Actually, it was lower than I expected uh, for a super flex league. He was only 1.4 points. But Brandon Cooks was 30.1. Wow. I know, and I was like, wow, so that makes this trade on the calculator a 31.6 to a Mm 17.1. And I, I was a little stunned that the gap was that big. I do think Sanders does have some big playability, but I don't know that... You know, I'm not I'm not comfortable that he's gonna. You know, he's not gonna get the Saquon Barkley volume of big plays. Yeah, and maybe maybe once. You know, big plays honestly from the running back position, they're rare. They don't really happen. That there's not a ton of plus forty and plus eighty yard touchdowns. Um, but at wide receiver, especially in a, an explosive offense, that there's a, a a lot higher. Uh, opportunity now, they're they're riskier. There's a lot a lot more incompletions occur things like that but cooks is the deep ball threat in in uh, the Rams offense and He's put up over a thousand yards Every year for the past five years. I think doesn't matter if he's in New Orleans or Miami or New England or Los Angeles, he's putting up a thousand yards. He's catching a bunch of balls and so I For me, it was an easy accept.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm right there with you. I think just based on uh, the depth of your team there, if you didn't have DJ and Bell, I think it'd be hard for me to to do. You know, or I guess I should put, if Sanders was going to be your RB2, uh, it would have been harder for me to do than that. Even if it was still that, I would imagine it'd still be obviously that kind of slided in your favor to take it. But having David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell makes that a much easier trade because while I love Miles Sanders, I, again, I've talked about, yeah, as you're probably looking at some point in time this year, he takes over in Philly. But you have multiple guys that you can put in back there. I see you also you forgot to mention Singletary. It, I'm Allier. very big on Singletary. I think he's going to be the guy in Buffalo at some point in time. No, I don't think he's Miles Sanders. But he still has a chance to be a starting running back. So with him, Jalen Samuels, Jackson, Ito, you know, I think all those guys could very easily fill that third spot, which is what Miles Sanders was gonna be anyways for you, or a bi-week fill-in, assuming Bell and DJ stay healthy the entire year. So yeah, I actually love the trade for you. Uh pairing Brandon Cooks and A-Rob together. You know, A-Rob the the high end wide receiver two maybe even low end wide receiver one and then cooks has been a wide receiver one uh pretty much every year he's been in the, in the league to get those two uh really to kind of anchor your wide receivers and then throw in a bunch of guys especially dj moore and uh dante pettis who has a obviously a realistic shot to be high this year uh, I, I love man i think it, i think it was a great move for you tyreek you have as well you know we'll see what happens with him and all this stuff off the field but uh yeah i think it is a solid and, and good move for you Especially in also backing up Mariota.
0: Yeah, I you know, I, there one of the philosophies I try to employ in playing fantasy football is to reduce the amount of risk. And when you have Marcus Mariota, I think you have to you have to reduce the amount of risk by getting his backup. And so I I probably would have given. uh a little bit more in terms of a draft pick than Tannehill was worth to get him. But when this offer came over, I, I was frankly stunned. And, <laughs> and, and it, it, the, uh, my initial response was, and, and it was a little bit... I, I, my initial response was, well, I'm not as high on Sanders as others... Send in the chat. Uh-huh. But yes, I'll accept that trade. Yeah. Send. Um, <laughs> because I, I was, you know, and I put it up as a poll on Twitter, and the Sanders side won 52 to 48 or 53 to 47. Yeah. So most, most people were all over the Sanders side, but, uh, you know, I felt that it was an easy win for me. So. Yeah, yeah,
1: uh, I'm right there with you.
0: People have that rookie fever.
1: Yeah, well, and I think a lot of it, too, is is just running backs. I feel like they get valued higher than most other positions. Like I said, when I first looked at it, uh, before you kind of explained everything behind it, for me, I was leaning Miles Sanders. Because I also think Brandon Cooks kind of gets a – a negative look on him sometimes for some reason everybody you know in all honesty again then I'll lead this right into the bet that I made this weekend we were talking about Cooks and Robert Woods because all these people seem to think every year that those two cannot do it again in LA yet they've done it the past two years in LA and, and made it work so I just think that he gets kind of this negative connotation on him because he's in with, with the Rams, and they feel like they have so many weapons, he can't do it again, uh, so I think that's probably something that played into it, which leads me to this, so again, as you know, I live in Dallas, uh, or not live in Dallas, but I live by Dallas, all kinds of Cowboys fans down here, we had our home dynasty draft this weekend, uh, and as we were there, uh, you know, drinks were consumed, uh, you know, some shit talking back and forth, having a little bit of fun, and, uh, Many of these people believe that Amari Cooper is going to be a top 10 wide receiver for fantasy this year because they think that now that he's had a full year with Dak, he'll be able to produce because of how amazing he was last year, especially in the last eight games, which I'll give them credit for. He did finish as the wide receiver 11 in those games. However, I also like to point out there was multiple games where he scored three touchdowns in those games, which I thought was just a little bit uh, hard to produce in 2019. So the bet we made was that uh, if uh, I said, I, I feel like I'm being fair, you know I'm a very and I shouldn't say Amari Cooper hater, I just don't think he's as good as other people do, but I said that I thought he had a chance to finish in the top 12, and I was even willing to make that bet, but no. They stuck to their guns and said that he will be a top 10 wide receiver for fantasy next year, Uh, so we pretty much have to get each other a shirt, whether it's a Baker Mayfield shirt or an Amari Cooper shirt. However, we're figuring out the details on that, and we have to wear it and all this other crap. Uh, But who do you think is going to end up winning that bet? you think Amari Cooper has a chance to be a top 10 wide receiver in fantasy next year?
0: Oh, well, there's certainly a chance. Um, But let's see. Let me pull up a go-to-fantasy-pros here. We'll take a look at the wide receivers. So I'm going to go through the list, and we'll see and kind of figure out who who might – See. Where we might drop him here's, in. So there,
1: here's, hang on. Yeah. Here's the funny thing about that because I did this exact same thing at the draft because I was like trying to help him not make this bet because I'm so sure of it. And I will tell you who we agree on. I think will be ahead of him, and then I'll tell you who they said won't be and why he'll be a top ten. That's why I want to throw that in there real quick. So go ahead, give me the list.
0: Okay. So there's Adam Thielen.
1: I think he's going to be over him, but they didn't. What do you think?
0: I I. I... I kind of feel like uh, there there could be some passing regression in Minnesota, mm-hmm. but they also have a, a powerful offense, and uh, if they improve that offensive line, there you know he could he could make up for it in touchdowns. He could make up for it in yardage. Um, I would probably put them pretty close together. Yeah. Uh, for me, I guess obvious guys that I think will be ahead of him: DeAndre Hopkins, Michael yeah. Thomas, Devontae Adams. Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, Juju.
1: Okay, let me stop you right there. They said that they didn't think that Julio Jones, Juju, or and there was someone else, and Antonio Brown will finish ahead of Mari Cooper next year.
0: You know, Gruden has historically targeted his wide receiver one twenty-seven 27% of the targets. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why, why he didn't do that with Amari, I don't know. Um, but Amari has brick hands, he that's
1: why. But sorry, go ahead.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he has an affinity for veterans, and I think that uh, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, Antonio Brown gets 180 targets next year. Uh, I, I think he's going to get uh, peppered with the ball. He's going to get it deep. He's going to get it short. Uh, Antonio Brown's going to get a bunch of targets.
1: Yep, I agree with you.
0: Julio, you know, the last time Julio had uh, Dirk Cutter as his offensive coordinator, I think he had 160 targets.
1: Yep. Well, that's the, the only way
0: Julio doesn't finish ahead of Amari Cooper is if Julio gets injured. That's
1: exactly what I said. I was like, as much as I hate on Julio, every year he consistently is a top at worst five wide receiver. And even when he's hurt, he still goes out there and balls. He doesn't even miss games. So, yeah, I'm right there. And, like, their argument for Juju was the same. You hear everywhere, well, he can't do it as a one. But if you go back and look at the stats, there were many games that he still thrived being a one Pittsburgh's wide receivers produce in fantasy every year. You know, Hines Ward was a consistent top wide receiver in fantasy, and I'm sorry, Juju Smith-Schuster is better than Hines Ward.
0: Why would you be sorry about that?
1: Well, you know, just because some <laughs> people seem to think that he isn't. But I, I I don't know what the hate is on Juju. I think Juju is a phenomenal wide receiver and a phenomenal human being. So, But, yeah, so the, they, they had a thing saying that they, those three he would not be over. And I, I was trying to explain. I think he finished as the, I don't even remember, 18th or 20th wide receiver last year something like that. And so they were trying to pick apart all these players. And, I like I said, I said I thought he could finish in the top 12. I felt like that was being reasonable, especially in right. my, Amari Cooper hate but they swear that he'll be a top 10 wide receiver with Dak. And my biggest thing was I feel like if he's going to be a top 10 wide receiver with Dak, he's going to have to throw for 4,000 yards. Dak's never throwing for 4,000 yards. He's just not going to.
0: Yeah, and they showed last year that they're, they're also plenty willing to give Zeke uh, a bunch of targets. Yeah. Uh, I think Michael Gallup steps up this year, and they added Randall Cobb. So they're gonna have the So let let's say Dak does throw for four thousand yards. He's gonna have the best wide receiver core that he's ever had. Yeah. And Zeke Elliott. So it I don't know that you know, they're not gonna force feed uh Amari targets. That's that's not Dallas's style. Yeah. Uh so I I, I just I don't know. Top 10. Could it happen? I'm sure it, it could happen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I certainly am not going to put him above Odell. I think Odell is going to get his targets. Michael yeah. Thomas, he isn't going above there. You know, if Thielen d- isn't in front of Cooper, then I think Diggs is. Yeah,
1: that was my argument, too.
0: So, you know, I guess some of it. Tyreek is probably going to be out so he's yeah, not going to be there. Yeah. We took we took uh, him he, off
1: the list, yeah.
0: Emmanuel Sanders was uh the wide receiver 7 last year. He's not going to be this year. Yeah. Uh Ro- Robert Woods was 10, AJ Green was 11. You know, Mike Evans 12. Yeah, Evans is Evans is, gets his targets. Yeah. He gets his targets and he gets his touchdowns and it looks, for all intents and purposes, that Tampa is going to throw the ball more this year than they've thrown it in Evans' entire career. So he's going to he's going to get plenty of targets. Yep. Brandon Cooks and, and Robert Woods they were wide receiver ten and wide receiver fifteen. Yeah. So one of them, one of them is probably going to be ahead of him. Uh, A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd were eleven and fourteen. One of them is probably going to be ahead of him. Yep. Yeah, you know, unless unless injuries come into play. Yeah. yeah I think. I, I think know, that's I, the biggest I, thing. I want Amari to be up there, but I don't. I don't know. I think you should start picking out your shirt.
1: Oh, I will. I will. Trust me. I'm already sold that I'm going to win. Like I said, they the arguments they were making were just to me ridiculous. Like they even I brought up because again Odell and Jarvis both finished. Odell I think finished either right ahead or right behind Amari Cooper. And Jarvis finished ahead of him last year in fantasy points. And so I was saying... You know, they were like, oh, well, you know, going to Cleveland, like Od- Odell's not going to be a top-wide receiver anymore. I'm like, dude, like I know you guys are just saying that to be dumb now because let's be honest here. Like Jarvis, Odell is still going to be a top-flight wide receiver. He's going to finish ahead of Mari Cooper. No, nah, no, nah, they got too many mouths to feed in Cleveland. Nah, all right, well, you know, like I didn't want to argue, uh, but I was just like the the arguments they were making for Amari Cooper over guys like Julio, Thomas. Not, well, they didn't say Thomas, but Julio, Juju, Brown, Odell, Woods, uh... And uh, Cooks, I was just like, guys, like you got, you're just, you're reaching here. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, it was uh, interesting. I made a, a couple bets. We'll see how they turn out. Also made probably a stupid bet in the fact that I think Cleveland's going to have a better overall season than the Dallas Cowboys and the loser uh, gets their head shaved. So I guess we'll see how that one works out. That one I'm not going to lie. I'm a little nervous about. Because uh, if uh, if they make the playoffs, but if the Browns, say, get knocked out in the first round and the Cowboys survive or whatever, I'm going to be getting my head shaved at our next rookie draft. So we'll see how it all works out. But, you know, we had to we had to throw some stuff in there. Uh, really quick before we get out of here, um, I wanted to get your opinion. I'm, I'm torn right now. So uh, as I posted on Twitter last night, I joined my first Debbie League with the Dynasty Nerds guys. Uh, really excited about that. Uh, and I'm on the clock at 1.12 right now. And, of course, Garrett had to go Baker Mayfield. Garrett, if you listen, I hate you, man. I hate you because I was going to take Baker Mayfield. I wanted my guy Baker. But he took him. It is a super flex league, so he took him, I think, at like 1-6 or something like that. So I'm sitting here. I'm definitely I'm torn between Devontae Adams and Michael Thomas. I think I'm going to take Adams just because I love Adams, and, and that's where I want to go. But my biggest thing here is I know I want a running back here. We've got four on the board, and I know which way I'm leaning. And so I, I might—I feel like I need you to talk me out of it because I feel like homerism is taking over just a little bit here. Todd Gurley, Bell, Johnson, Cook are still on the board, yet I want to take Nick Chubb. What do you think?
0: What what pick is it?
1: I'm at 112, so I'm gonna get my my back-to-back oh, so picks, you're... and I'm not picking again for for a while. I. And just so – I know no. I said Superflex, only one other quarterback's gone, and that's Mahomes. Nobody else has gone quarterback. So that's why I'm not worried about taking a quarterback right now. Even if a bunch yeah. go, I feel like I can get at least a decent one when it gets back around to me. And If I have to attack it twice, I'll attack it twice. But I want to get that because it's also – uh, we also have all the rookies in there too, so if that worst I can, I feel like I can grab Murray or Haskins later and stuff like that. Like I'm not too worried about quarterback right now. I want to focus on building that core of my team really quick.
0: It is is uh, your boy Jay Rich in the league too? He
1: is. Yes, that's why I really feel okay. like I need to grab but, Chubb, because he's not getting back to me. No, there's no shot. Well,
0: He's not going to take a quarterback till like the twelfth or fifteenth round or something. Yeah. So, they'll be. Cool. He, he's not. He. That's his strategy, even in Superflex. Um, I. I don't know that I'd. T- you know I. I'd have to take. I'd probably rank them. Uh, DJ Bell. Uh, who else did you say?
1: Chubb, Cook, Cooking Gurley
0: uh dj belt man it's tough to pass on todd Gurley there too
1: but the knees man that's what worries me i just i want to take like the reason i was really leaning it's for me between dj chubb and cook and most of it dj like i love dj and what he does in the receiving game same thing with cook cook worries me with the injuries which is why i was kind of moving chubb over him and then it was kind of looking at chubb and johnson i'm like but chubb he's just He's so much younger. I feel like he's kind of on an ascending offense, obviously, there with Cleveland. Like, I don't worry about Kareem Hunt at all. I really do think that, at, you know, yeah, he might lose some some carries to him this year. But I really think after this, Kareem Hunt's gone. I know we've talked about that many times. We think they're going to use him as a trade chip. And even later, I'll probably try and grab Kareem Hunt just to be on the safe side because a lot of drafts, he's going six, seven, eight round of back row invitational. I got him in the eighth round, I think. So he's someone that I'll try and grab later. I won't reach for him, but I'll try and grab him. But I want like a young stud running back that I feel like I can count on. And that's why I was leaning more DJ or Chubb because I love Bell, but I don't think – I think he's got two, three years at best where I think you know Johnson and Chubb easily have five, six, seven years left at best.
0: Yeah, I – I probably wouldn't go Chubb uh, I I I'd pass on Cook. I think the injury concerns are are real. Bell, I think um you know there's questions about you know the new team, the new scheme. Um, on one hand, he, he could get a a ton of work. Uh, I I it for me it would come down to Gurley and Johnson. Mm-hmm. And I don't. There, you know, there was Twitter was all aflame with uh, Gurley stuff the past couple of days because yeah. Jay Glazer put something out. All Jay Glazer did was take all the information that had been put out and put it in a new article. Yeah. There was no new information whatsoever, and so I I gotta say I would take Todd Gurley. Mm.
1: Well, that's not gonna happen. So all right. Well, I, I'm, I appreciate the input. I just I can't do it, man. I, I don't. Uh, it's not even that stuff. I saw some of that stuff on Twitter. I don't even worry about that. I've just felt for ever since last year, and seeing what happened with him in the playoffs at the end of the year, in the Super Bowl. I just don't believe Todd Gurley is a hundred percent. And even if it is just a little bit of arthritis in his knee, I feel like we saw what happened with Jay Ajayi and how quickly Jay Ajayi fell off the cliff. Now, he's nowhere near the physical specimen and or running back that Todd Gurley is. But for me, like I said, I would just rather take a shot on a guy like David Johnson, Dalvin Cook, Nick Chubb, who I feel like have multiple years ahead of him, where I feel like Todd Gurley is, is already on the decline with that knee injury. And I could be wrong, uh, but I'd rather... I'd, at this point, I'd rather be wrong, I guess, on that than, than right. If if I take Todd Gurley and in two years he's out of the league and I I don't have a, a stud running back anymore.
0: Well, I, I get for me it comes down to who's going to help me win this year the most.
1: Yeah, but, yeah, I know. I just feel well, and that's with that too. I feel like uh, you could make an argument with all three of those guys as well. It's not a, it's not like I'm talking about Todd Gurley and then you know nothing against carry on but then carry on johnson and leonard fournette like uh, i feel like dalvin cook you know dalvin cook uh, david johnson are right there with him and nick chubb is a little bit of a step down but i feel like dj i mean dj was the running back one just a couple of years ago so i feel like he could easily compete and finish ahead of todd Gurley. i do think chubb has a chance to finish ahead of todd Gurley, uh, a little bit lesser chance than than cook and, and johnson though but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm on the clock. I'm gonna make this pick eventually. I might. I just, you know, looking at Nick Chubb, man, it's so hard. I want want one share of that Cleveland offense. And as you know, a lot of these guys in the in the. With Dynasty Nerds, all live up there, so I feel like this is my only shot because Odell went a lot earlier than I thought he would. I don't think I'm going to have many other chances to get anybody from the Cleveland offense, so I feel like this is my shot and I've got to take it, but we'll see what happens. Before we get out of here, speaking of the Nerd Herd, I know you've got a new article and a whole big thing that you're working on that you just put out there, so let us know where we can find you on Twitter and and let us know about this article that you've got kind of in the works here with with the Nerd Herd group.
0: Well, you can find me at culture underscore coach. Uh, hop on iTunes and give us a, a review. Uh, you know, we're going to give away an entry into the listener league. We're sitting at 12 reviews. When we hit 20, we're going to randomly select a uh, uh, one of the new reviews and let somebody into the listener league. So get out there and, and give us a review. Uh, I did just submit an article. I'm working on a... Dynasty deep stashes by division, and I submitted the first in the series uh, yesterday. It should be coming out soon. I did the NFC West, kind of touched on each team and picked picked a player that's uh, y- you should probably have on the back end of your roster or on your taxi squad that has some some potential uh, to to maybe pay off. So that's uh, in the works. I'll be starting uh, the next one. It's an eight part series. But also, I I kind of am coordinating uh, an overall Dynasty review for each team. So we're going to do 32 teams in 32 days. And we're starting with the AFC West. Uh, That won't be coming out probably till mid-June. Uh, the first in the series, and so that once it starts, though, there's going to be 32 of them, one one each day for the next 32 days, talking about you know the studs, the duds, the breakouts, the deep stashes uh, for every NFL team and uh, the fan, their fantasy relevance. So, uh, if you're not in the nerd herd, definitely go to dynastynerds.com and join the nerd herd. Cost you the cost of a cup of coffee each month. We just rolled out one of the new tools on there, and uh, it, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, so if you go to our rankings, and if you're in the Nerd Herd and you go to our rankings, all of the people that do rankings went through every player, every fantasy play, player in the NFL, and we did a buy-sell rating, uh, buy-hold-sell. And so you can click on the buy-sell rating, and so I'm looking at Juju here, and of the twenty some uh, dynasty nerds writers twenty three percent have juju as a must own thirty one percent have him as a buy twenty three percent as a hold fifteen percent of the writers have him as a value sell so what's a value sell that means he he's at he's at peak value if you can if your team can handle selling him to get really good assets in return maybe you're not in a you're not a playoff contender and so you can sell him and get three first round picks and a startable player or something like that um and and seven percent of the writers have him just as a sell don't you know you're not going to sell him as a a dirt cheap but if you get an offer that's reasonable maybe move him but it's it's cool to see it's a pie chart and you can kind of click on it and see uh the must owns it's it's a pretty far out tool. I'm really excited about it.
1: Yeah, it's it's been pretty cool to watch and again uh, been really exciting to see everything that that Rich and Matt and Garrett have been working on to roll out here. It's it's been awesome. If you guys really you know if you if you've listened to their podcast, they talk about it all the time. You can you can jump in for for a very low price a custom Cost of one cup of coffee a week, I believe, is the way that they put it. Uh, it's it's a well month. worth it. A month, I'm sorry, yeah, a month. So it, it's well worth that. You guys will it will help you out tremendously. I'm actually just today. Uh, got the email from Rich. I'll be jumping in on the Devi rank, so I'm excited about that. Can't wait to check those out, guys. It's going to be awesome. Um, really quick, as Dennis touched on with the Listener League, yes, please leave a rate and review, good or bad. It'll get you guys a chance to get into the Listener League, get a free T-shirt, and then, of course, obviously get a shot to win a free NFL jersey if you win the league. And last but not least, today's entry. We almost completely forgot about that, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, the Listener League there, Dennis, because I almost forgot about it. What a... Uh, let everybody know what the way is to get into the the Listener League this week. And you have a full week. We'll announce it today, Memorial Day, and then we will announce the winner next Monday along with the way to get into the league next week.
0: Uh, let me find my notes. I forgot what it was. Oh, You want me to oh. say it? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, I found it. So we're animal lovers. Yes. Uh, I'll post pictures of my dog, Smog. He's a rescue... P- pitbull mix that we've got. We've uh, had him for about four years now. Uh he's a lovely dog. So if you want to get into the listener league, post a picture of your pet. Uh tag us in it. Uh and throw on the hashtag uh Knights of the Roundtable. That seems like an awful long hashtag. Yeah. You don't have to hashtag it, but <laughs> it might be fun if you do. Uh, but tag tag us on, on the picture and uh we'll we'll pick uh one of the entries this week that tags us on the on the with a picture of their pet, uh, and and you'll get an entry into our uh, the Knights of the Roundtable Listener League.
1: Yeah, please do because it'll be uh, we we like he said our our animal lovers can't wait uh, to check out all these pictures and then pick someone at random and then we'll get you into to the group. It's already been kind of a fun group so far. Can't wait to get this league filled out so we can start drafting and get everything together. So guys, thank you so much for listening to us again today. Please. Uh, rate and review if you have time and then if uh, we will be back actually uh, later this week we will not have a Thursday podcast we are having a a couple special guests that really uh, helped me out a lot in getting this whole thing started Uh, joining us on Friday to do a fun little episode with me and Dennis so uh, we will not be back until probably Friday night possibly even Saturday morning for the next pod goes up so everybody have a great week and I will talk to you on Friday Dennis Right on. Prepare for glory!
0: I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your on red? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team.
1: Throw it up above his head. They can't jump and lead. Golly! Oh, they tackle him in the corner. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play? I can! I can! I'm <laughs> sorry.